Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to Everybody Want to Watch the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight we get together to talk about movies, TV and online content and help you answer the question, with Jimmy Kimmel back as Oscar host, does La La Land have a chance of winning the best picture? I'm your host, Ashley Hopley. Joining me today, Dylan Blight. No, but his next film does. What? Um, what's his face? His next film. Uh, I forget the, the name of it. Margot Robbie one. It's coming out. Oh, yet. Babylon does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes more sense. Uh, all right. On today's episode, we'll be talking about what's in our watch history, beginning uh, talking about some film and TV news, giving some thumbs to trailers, and then giving you this week's top three. Uh, but first... Uh, big movie released uh, last week. We've already done a spoiler cast over on all new Marvel cast, which you can check out. Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, of course, is the follow-up to Black Panther, one of the biggest movies of all time. Uh, dealing with the aftermath of Chadwick Boseman slash T'Challa's death, um, where, you know, Wakanda's kind of trying to move forward without him. Uh, and then, you know, Namor comes out of nowhere and like messes things up. <laughs> Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on Black Panther Work Under Forever? Um, yeah, it's really good. I, it's very different, so it's sort of hard to, I, it's, I know everyone's gonna, it's hard to, obviously, because it's sick, we doing comparison, but I feel like it's, the more I've thought about it, um, since we've even recorded the spoiler cards, I'm like, they're just such different films. It's, it is, it is really, really different. You do, it, at times doesn't even feel like a, like the last half, sure, or last, like, you know, 45 minutes feels more like an actual superhero movie but up until that point like it's just it's it doesn't feel like i mean and i said the same thing to a degree about black panther where it feels devoid of the mcu um this one actually feels more connected to the mcu which is sort of one of the, the glaring negatives for me like and i won't say for spoiler reasons but there's like they try and there's a through line the the there's a through line that just doesn't need to be there um, which the, the one of the big things about the first one was it just had no free line. Everything like the one connecting character to it actually made sense. Whereas that character this time, I don't think it made sense. But um, everything's really, really good about it. Obviously, it's I think it's like one of the darker tone tonely films, and not in like Doctor Strange, like everything's actually dark. But theme wise, it's just you've literally got a mother who's you know lost her son and she's grieving. You've got a sister who's lost her brother and she, she's grieving and like that's the plot of the movie more or less. Grieving. And then yeah, it's just a lot of grieving and then you've got um a dude who lives in the ocean who's who's like uh you're causing problems for me so I'm going to make your day even worse. I mean that's why I don't want the <laughs> Um yeah, it's really good. I was talking to buddy the other day like message about the music and stuff and he said it was a big uh, disappointment. I still stand by that I don't think the music's a huge disappointment. I just I I think if they tried to do the Kendrick Lamar produced sounds like him and his friends coming on again. I feel like it would have just been going for doubling down, trying to do it twice. Whereas I, the music, the soundtrack isn't, and not the, the score, the score is really, really good, but the soundtrack music isn't the same tone. It's same type of music. And I think it makes sense why. And for a lot of people, maybe they love that type of music and it'll be like a banger. But for me personally, no. So but it, yeah. Is it disappointing a little bit? I guess, but it, yeah, it's fine. I don't, yeah, as I said in my review, I really liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, lots of very high moments, I think. You know, the way they tackled the loss of Chadwick uh, is very respectful. I like some of those. There's some beautiful silent moments in this movie that, like, everybody in the cinema was, like, quiet, like, paying respect. Um, 
yeah, I, I think I think something something that we didn't give enough credit, someone we didn't give enough credit for, uh, in the Gospel cast, Angela Bassett. I think she's fantastic. No, I shouted. I gave her my most memorable. I feel moment. like Kieran didn't give enough props. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, Kieran, uh, did, he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't appreciate art, but that's a that's a whole different thing. I think yeah, she is fantastic throughout this movie. She has some really powerful moments. Um, I've seen people just say she should be in best uh, supporting actress discussion. I don't know. I think if that's I'd fine. Go that far, I don't think she. I, I think it's. Fine I don't think it's crazy. But I, don't, yeah. I don't. I think she's definitely honourable mention. But like, yes. it's worth having a discussion. But I like. I don't think she's going to get that, and I wouldn't give her that. But definitely honourable mention. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The way they utilize the way they've been able to work Namor and just the Atlanteans, which they aren't Atlanteans anymore, into this version of the MCU, taking on like a lot of this Aztec culture. Uh, and Spanish history, uh, Mexican history, um, is really impressive and really clever. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it does end with like massive <laughs> CGI fight and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. it kind of ends, it does kind of end similarly to the first movie in which, you know, two factions that you wish weren't fighting are fighting and like, yeah, I uh, mean, so, I mean, even the action, like the action in the first one, not a high point action in this film, not a high point. Yeah, it's all the character moments. Um, yeah. You know, and, and once again, fulfilling the prophecy of Phase 4, it's all about trauma. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We kept joking, but it actually turned out to be true. So. It, it, yeah. All right. So, yeah. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, check out Spoilercast on Audio Mothercast. Uh, and, of course, it is playing in cinemas everywhere for the next forever, probably. So, I've been in the cinemas a couple of times. I went and I've watched one movie at the Brisbane International Film Festival. Uh, you know, a festival filled with like really high profile movies, uh, that people are talking about for the end of the year, uh, best of lists. And the one I needed to go watch was Marcel the Shoe. No, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Uh, so this is a stop motion animated, uh, film, uh, but it's, well, Marcel is stop motion animated in a live action setting. Uh, she's this little tiny shell who lives in a house uh, and uh, the director, Dean, who plays the character of Dean, uh, m- is moves into this house. It's an Airbnb and comes across Marcel, uh, this little boy elf uh, shell who, uh, you know, has been trying to m- make a living in this giant house after he got separated from the majority of his family. Um, he lives with his uh, grandma, uh, Connie, um yeah, and you just kind of see their different adventures. Obviously, this it's uh, expanded on from a bunch of short films that were done several years ago that kind of blew up on YouTube for a, a short bit, uh, in which, you know, uh, Marcel, like, voiced by Jenny Slate, uh, does, like, a bunch of cute jokes and that kind of stuff. Uh, it's very much expanded on and kind of, you know, explores the idea of, like, family and uh, wanting and uh, all these other stuff themes i think it's very adorable uh very cute i like just the ideas of how marcel gets around the massive house uh her her preferred mode of transport is that she she's hollowed out she's gets inside a tennis ball and like then like rolls around the problem is she can't see where she's going because <laughs> she's inside the tennis ball um or she knocks over a uh like the little teddy bear things of honey and uses that honey to walk up walls 
Smart. So, very clever. <laughs> I've got a question. Yes. This film nominated or has been pushed forward for Best Animated Picture. Yes. How is Richard Linklater's movie not eligible in this is? Uh, no, they, they they just came out this week that you know, they overturned their decision, so it's going to be eligible as well. Oh, I missed that. Okay. Because I was about to be like, that's if if this isn't... Like, I haven't seen the movie, nothing against this movie, but when I saw that, I missed that second part, but I was like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. Because. So. Well, there you go. I'm glad. Yeah. Respect Justice for all player. animations. Yeah, so. Justice for all animation. There you go, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, really cute. Um, this just a fun storyline where, you know, they love 60 Minutes and then the crew for 60 Minutes come and helps interview them and that kind of stuff. Gets very emotional at times. Uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I think it's coming out it's January uh, something or other. Let me just double check. Catch me talking about it in June next year. 5th of January, 2023. So, very cute. Uh, also went out and watched Decision to Leave. So, this is the latest film from, yeah, Park Chan-wook. Uh, it follows a detective played by Park Ha-il, um, who, you know, his, uh, his wife lives in his, it's weird because obviously in Korea, they've got like different kind of things. So he's, you know, weekend marriage. So he works in the city. His wife works out in the countryside at a nuclear center. So he kind of is working as a police officer in the city. Um, there's a case in which a man has fallen off a mountain, uh, and they're just kind of trying to figure out if it's murder or if it was suicide uh so they uh bring in his wife um and you know he forms that they have a sudden connection um and the film kind of explores this uh connection while also dealing with trying to figure out whether she committed the murder or not uh but you know he has feelings for her she has feelings for him uh it's all complicated and that kind of stuff um beautifully shot Really well acted, you know. I think, uh, obviously, I've not seen much of Park Chan Wook's. Uh, I mean, you've seen two I've movies. Watched two uh, movies, so I guess in yeah, the last sort of like month, uh, six to eight weeks, whatever it was, like, so you're sort of fresh. Yeah, you know. I am kind of fresh. Yeah. I think it's probably, I mean, it's very different to, I mean, I think it's up there with Old Boy. I think, um, like, well, yeah, just I mean, because the, it's the, not, it's obviously Old Boy is maybe a little bit more impressive because it's like action focused and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. This one's a lot more character based, and um, yeah. there's a mystery element to all of it. The, um, yeah, there's some reveals in this that were really f- enjoyable to see, kind of put all the puzzle pieces being put together. Bob's a good twist. Yeah, who doesn't? It's a good good mm-hmm. twist. So, um, I'm going to be really interested because obviously I don't watch this, but I still haven't watched this movie from a couple of years ago. So I'm going to be interested if this actually comes out anywhere I can watch it. It was a one-time cinema-only affair. <laughs> yeah, might be. Uh, yeah, so decision to leave. You know, just hit up uh, Mad Men. You know, say where the freak are we going to get this in Uh So yeah, decision to leave. If you you can watch it, go watch it. It's pretty great. Uh, Dylan, you watched uh, Resurrection. I did. Um, what do you? What's the actress's name before I go and say? Um, Rebecca Hall is that it? Rebecca Ferguson. But no, that's Mission Impossible. Uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Hall, Hall I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, I had it right. Um, so this similar. is... <laughs> um, so this movie, yeah, I really liked it. I um, It's coming out at uh, end of the month in Australian cinemas. I think that's when it comes out. But it's about this woman 
who has, I mean, it's hard not to get spoilers for this one, but it's about this woman Rebecca Hall plays uh, at the start of the movie. You meet someone who's like really got their shit together, you know, like businesswoman. She's, the movie starts with someone else who's there in like an internship in her office or whatever, um, like talking to her about like a really bad relationship she has. And Rebecca Hall's character's like, you know, basically says, you know, screw them. You should leave. More power to you. Fuck that guy sort of thing. And she has a daughter at home who's uh, 17, about to turn 18. So, you know, like really late teenage daughter. Everything seems cool until uh, she goes to a work conference the next day. And she's just sitting there, you know, sort of bored as she, this person's waffling about whatever. And then she looks over to her left and she sees Tim Roth, uh, with the character Tim Roth plays, sort of sitting several rows ahead. And she just absolutely has a, a full, like, breakdown. You can tell, like, it's really triggered something with her, in her. So the, it, from there, the movie starts to unravel. And it is basically, you, with, yeah, without getting into the weeds of it, Tim Roth, they were in a relationship years ago. You definitely know from the outset and the reaction she has that it was not a good memory. It was not a good relationship. It's something that she, uh, like upsets her greatly to the to the core of her being. She starts acting really weird, stressing out, all these sorts of things. And you don't really know the full story as the movie develops. But um, it gets really uh, interesting and weird at the same time. As it goes ahead, it gets like into some... Yeah, quite interesting <laughs> yeah, uh, stuff that happens. But um, Rebecca Hall is absolutely fantastic in this. She does a several-minute monologue straight to the camera. Um, and I think it's what some of the it's like one of the best things I've seen this year, sort of acting-wise. Just this this one straight no-cut monologue. Um, I think all they do is they like turn exposure down or something like that. Like it's almost like she becomes more of a silhouette as the camera like slowly moves in on her face throughout this, this monologue she's sort of giving us. She's explaining. Um, it's when she's finally explaining to someone what Tim's rough, Tim's Roth's, Tim Roth's character did to her. And it's just like everything around her slowly, like she becomes this talking head sort of thing as it goes. It's really well put together. Um, Tim Roth is creepy as fuck when he actually does show up. And it's, it's sort of funny because the other thing I've watched him in this year is She-Hulk, where he's very charming and lovable yep. and this. And then in this, I'm like, you are, I fucking like from the, from the outset, you just like the, the, the film does such a good job at first. You're like, eh, she's sort of, you, you have that like moment of, well, at least I did like a moment. Of being like, oh, maybe she's crazy, and then like ten seconds later, with because of what Tim Roth's character does, I'm like, nah, fuck this guy. Uh, like very quickly, sort of turned on people. So I really, really enjoyed it. It's um, it's like a psychological thriller, I guess would be the the genre. But yeah, I think the performances from Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth definitely make this a well, uh, well worth watching. Awesome. Uh, you also watched Watcher. Is this related to the Watcher? No, but it's really annoying because when I type that in, um, when I was typing Watcher into like track to find it or whatever, you know, it was just like, it's coming up with the Watcher. Um, this is, uh, uh, again, I guess it's like a psychological thriller, but um, I think it's like a debut film or maybe this person's second film or something like that. Uh, they did do a short, I know, from VHS94, which is why when I was looking up directors of that, when I watched it, I was like, oh, I should watch this. This came out this year. Um, it's got the girl from, what's her name? Let me find it. Micah Monroe uh, from It Follows, sort of. So she has, like, sort of this horror, independent horror, horror pedigree because she was also in The Guest and a few other things. Uh, so she, at the start of the movie, she's moved to... Where has she moved to? It probably says here. Budapest. Yeah, Budapest. Uh, so she's moved from America to there with her partner. Um, and, you know, it's a bit weird because she can't speak... I don't know what language they speak, though. I can't remember. Whatever language they speak. But... 
uh, you know, so she's dealing with her partner. I think it's actually her husband. Like he's talking to friends and she can't understand. Like the movie does a very good job of sort of secluding her. Like she's, she's moved to a completely different country and she, you know, she's hanging around with people who she can't understand, even though she's trying to learn language. She has no friends. She has no family. You know, like it does this whole, the movie does a very good job at setting up this character as, hey, they, they, they're lonely. They got, you know, they're just sort of left by their own. And then what ends up happening is she spots someone uh, across the, the way from her apartment or whatever she's in, uh, who's played by Bern Gorman, who most people would know, I guess, as the little bitch from The Dark Knight Rises, but also Torchwood and a few other things. But um, he he's, like, potentially watching her, or is, isn't he, isn't he? You know, I can't say without spoiling it, but the, the movie plays on, is she going, is she losing her mind because the the fact that she is this secluded, lonely person and she's just staring out the window and she has too much sort of free time and her mind's playing tricks on her? Or is this dude actually sitting there watching her um, or like sort of trying to fuck with her and whatever else? So that's, yeah, again, it's like this this thriller that plays out from there. Really good performance from uh, Michael Monroe and I guess Ben Gorman and the, the little bit you actually get to see. Most of the time you're sort of a shadowy figure in the distance or her potential thought train and whatever else but yeah i really enjoy it. it's really well shot cinematography is um really really good uh for this sort of movie that takes place primarily in and around apartment buildings and a particular one apartment building um yeah no it was good i enjoyed it all right uh you also watched dash cam the film shot on a dash cam yeah i didn't like this one so here's my my downer so this is from the the dude who did host um, a couple of years ago, um, which I really liked. That was the one, I think it was Host. Hold on, I'm going to double check. Uh, not what it's called. Yeah, Host 2020. It was sort of the start of the pandemic. It's the, everyone's on their laptop talking to one another. It's only 57 minutes. It. Um, I watched it on my laptop and I think I talked about it here and saying it, I suggest watching it that way because it looks like you're watching, like you're part of the conversation. I thought that was really, really good and at 57 minutes and never overstays welcome or anything like that. Uh, this movie, hour 20, it's a little bit longer, but it's, yeah, I just, it's gibberish. It's, you've got this, you've got this character, Annie, who's been played by someone playing herself, I guess, or something like that, or a version of herself. I don't really know. Anyway, she's the most least likable person. And I think that's kind of the point. Like she's supposed to be, she's live TikToking. She's a Trump supporter. And she's like anti, like anti vaccines and, you know, it's all, it's all fake. And then she travels to the UK, I think, yeah, to the UK to meet up with an old band buddy because she's like, fuck this, the US is keeping me down, man, trying to make me wear masks. And then she turns up this dude's doorstep and then she basically makes his life hell because she's all like, yeah, fuck, you know, fuck the vaccines and you know all, all this bullshit. And then he's like got a partner who's like, this woman's crazy and he's very much like obviously grown up since their band days or whatever else and she's just trying to cause havoc. Um, she eventually ends up, this woman's like, I'll pay you basically to randomly, can you drop off a friend somewhere? And she's like, yeah, sure. Um, after she, she gets this car and then, um, which it starts happening with this woman. Like there's what the fuck's going on. Anyway, I, yeah, I didn't like it. I sort of failed to keep my attention at all. It was just, it's everything people say that these found footage type movies are that I disagree with for some, you know, we're all like, they're like this and the shit and it's just all shaky cam and it's not really scary. This is that movie. It's just a bunch of, bullshit so yeah i don't don't watch this one all right uh and you went out and watched the woman king a movie i watched a few weeks ago 
Yeah, really good. Obviously, I don't want to like take oh, everything, but Regina King's what? Um, Stella. Sorry, not what? Why do I have Regina James. King? Yeah, why do I have Regina King on my mind? She's a great actress as well. She's so. a great actress. That's true. Um, Viola Davis is really good. Um, but who the fuck is the other person that I want to give a shout out to? Um, what the fuck's her name from Bond? What's uh, Lashana Lynch? Yeah, Lashana Lynch is the star of the movie. That's easily the. <laughs> like, I don't want to. Like everyone's really good in this movie, but Lashana Lynch is the easily the the standout star. John Boyega was in a lot more than I thought he would be after I asked you how much is in it. He was like, oh, maybe like 10 minutes. He's in a lot more than 10 minutes. Like, it's spread <laughs> out. Yeah, it's spread out, but like he was in a lot. Not, I'm not complaining, but I went in thinking he was going to have like one scene and he showed up at the start. Right. I'm like, won't see him for a while. And then five minutes later, he's back. <laughs> I was like, okay. So um, I really enjoyed it. I I don't think it's like in my, I don't know, I've seen probably, you know, best movie of the year. Not quite that for me. Really well put together, really well shot. I kind of wish it was a bit more vicious is my only sort of complaint with all the brutality and just like how, like it, it I mean, felt I, a little bit. You literally see have it seven heads roll, so I don't know what you're. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It just, yeah, I don't know. It just felt like it was missing like, a little bit of a, a grunt or, or, or a bit of a, I don't know. It felt too clean at times. Like I just needed a bit more, just I needed it to be a bit more dirty considering what's happening, and what's going on in this movie, but that's fine. Um, all around great performances shot really well. Um, music was great, locations are great, but yeah, just just I need a little bit something push me over. Edge. Okay, uh, you also went out and watched Bros. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, it's, it's really <laughs> funny. I was for a second, I was like, "What's that?" But then, yeah, I had my brain failed me for a second. Um, I think it was very funny. I I think it's one of the funniest comedies of the year. Like, I don't know what the, you know, I feel like there's two. You got these two camps of people saying, no, it's, people don't like it because it's not funny. And, you got, and then the whole thing, people aren't watching it because they're fucking home I, I know I'm kind of following more on that camp because I thought it was very funny. <laughs> and if, the, if this wasn't, like, if the plot of this wasn't, hey, it's it's like, it's, you know, what the fuck is it? It's like Bridesmaids people, you know, hey, if you like Bridesmaids, you should watch this movie. And if this was straight people, everyone would be like, fuck yeah, I love Bridesmaids. Let me show that. But if you pitch, I swear it's a thing of like, do you like like movies like Bridesmaids? Yeah, fuck yeah. Or how about like that type of humor and story and like themes, but it's like two gay dudes. They're like, nah, fuck that. You know, like it's just, I feel like it is because yeah, I, I thought it was really funny. It was really well put together, written. It doesn't go down all the, the cheap tropes for this sort of story. It plays out a lot differently. So um. Yeah, I don't. I, I I liked it. I can't remember. What did you say? Did you? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I feel like Billy Eichner is really really good in it. I just feel well money wise. I think you know. I don't think people go to the cinema to see comedies at the moment. You know, like comedies are always being one of the biggest money makers though. When they do well, when a big comedy shows up and a big comedy turns up and it's really good and it's really funny, people go watch it. It's always been a thing. So. Mm. I I don't know. I just I I, I do th- I I don't want to put all the blame on it, but I definitely I I don't think it's bullshit to say that an element of it is that it's just yeah. I still think there's an element of it that is definitely like laying on homophobia. I I just I I straight up think that I can't help it. All right, so I just did quick Google search. Clyde has got an article: the top ten highest-grossing movies, comedy movies, of the last ten years. Number one: Deadpool. That's mm-hmm. yeah. It's comedy. Seven hundred eighty-three, but it's a superhero movie. So, All right. yeah, half a point then. Number two, Deadpool two, half seven hundred thirty-four million. We're at one point. Yep. Uh, number three, Men in Black three, half point again. 
number four, Ted, five hundred forty-nine million, two and a half points. See, Probably. number five, The Untouchables, four hundred twenty-six million. The Untouchables. The That's fucking... the French comedy drama. Better man in a oh. wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you fucking really? What yeah, I'm sure you, you know do well. International <laughs> audience, go hard. Yeah, go. But yeah, half point again. Okay, number six, The Hangover Part Three. Yep, four points. Number seven, Jump Street. Twenty-two Jump Street. Number eight, Green Book. (laughs) Yeah, three hundred twenty-one million (laughs) dollars. Yeah. (laughs) Number nine is Pitch Perfect Two. Uh, that's half a point, surely. Two hundred eighty-seven million, and then number ten is Bad Neighbors. So five and a half points out of ten. 5.5 5.5 out of 10 uh, comedy. See, I told you, the comedies do really fucking well, the box office when people like that. And considering most of those were half points, at least. I mean, so what? It was fi- the 500 million to $270 million mark. Worldwide. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying this has to be the next fucking no, 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 hangover, what I'm saying. but. <laughs> How much has Bros made worldwide? Let's have a look. 69,000 million. So it's forty-one million. I'm damn. Surely that can't be right. I'm telling you, a movie has not been doing well. I was the only person in my cinema. I'm not even exaggerating. I was legit the only person in the cinema. Yeah, fourteen million dollars worldwide. So yeah, and they yeah, have promoted pretty... it. They've done Billy on the Street. They've done all these things. They've and that thing does really well. I, I think it's hugely underperformed and I, it's nothing to do with the quality of the movie. No. It's right, very charming. The, the, all the characters are great. Well, Billy Eichner's basically playing himself but like amped up which is yeah. fine. It makes for a fun time. That um, the Aaron, the love interest, I thought he was very charming, that actor and everything, He's pretty great. And everything else. He's pretty great. All the other people that are in it that are part of his uh, I will say there's not really like great. a standout supporting character. I guess. I don't know. His friend's pretty funny. Like his family. Oh no, they're not, they're not in that much though. That one time where he goes and visits his friend and the kids do the bottom dance. I don't know, I thought that was yeah, but then they don't show up for like... They don't show up again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying the movie's like, you know, perfect no, comedy of all time, but Just, yeah. I definitely feel like it deserves to have done better than that. It, it, yes, it definitely deserves to have done, been watched more than it has been watched. Had a heartful actually ending. I thought that the, that last scene, and without spoiling it, was actually um, played on the heartstrings. So it does, but it does achieve everything. It's, it's very, I think, it's very funny, and it, it achieves the the romance, you know, angle as well, the rom com angle or whatever. Hmm. Trying to say, yeah, it looks like Black Adam's just eating his lunch. So it starts yeah. with a dude recording a podcast. How could I not like this movie? Yeah. Hmm. What a great way to open a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh. So the big thing that been swirling around the internet the last few days studio ghibli posts out a video on their social medias with lucasfilm mm. what could studio ghibli possibly be doing with lucasfilm and then today they post like a picture of Hayao miyazaki and there's a little grogu figure on the table like oh what crazy thing is they doing what is a crazy thing that they are doing uh it turns out they did a short film in celebration of the three anniversary of the mandalorian uh, called Zen, uh, Zen something. It's like Grogu and the fucking dust bunnies to me. Yeah, it's Grogu and the friggin' dust bunnies. (laughs) 
Uh, I didn't realize it had already been come out by the time we recorded this podcast. So Dylan, what you've actually watched it? Yeah, it's fine. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really well. Uh, it's a hand drawn animation, um, and sort of purposely in that rough hand drawn style, which I think is going to turn some people off. But as you know, if you can appreciate animation like that done well, it's it's really enjoyable, cute little. It is literally just, uh, it, it's it's just a short, sweet animation of Grogu and these dust bunnies like that there's no massive that's but if you're expecting something crazy out of this you're not going to get it like you watch it for three minutes you go oh that was cute and then you move on with your life that i'm just wondering if there's more to this and by i'm like sh- this seems very weird like partnership just for this like can you do this like it just are we getting more mandalorian stuff or are we getting more i don't know like it just makes me wonder if they Does like- studio ghibli need mo- to do more projects to pay the bills because you know They've Mi- always had this thing where Miyazaki's film ages- isn't coming out for any time. Yeah, well, me. So the problem with Studio Ghibli is that they are both Disney's. They're, they're Japan's Disney and not at the same time because they have failed to properly invest in their own studio to the point that they don't put out movies well, and stuff. They don't have. Like, they don't have. The major creators. problem with them is they haven't had like a succession plan. No, and in a world where Miyazaki was retiring and he's come out to do this one last movie, but he's doing it all by himself, basically, and he's hand-drawing everything and it's taking forever, um, it's they just don't have anything, yeah, going on. It does make me wonder, though, if they figure their shit out, and a great way for them to expand, w- small steps, you know, don't go like, oh, it's still a full feature film, bro, you know, like anything like that. I think a small step would be Star Wars Visions Season 2. That would be my... Because season two, they've already confirmed, is going to be a bunch of like European and other oh, yeah. studios from elsewhere Three, then. the world. Yeah. Visions would be a very good way to do a partnership and then see how... Then they could they could see how it feels, you know? How does it feel to work with... You know, you're not committing to a big feature, you're not, you know, these sorts of things. I feel like that would be a, a very good like stepping stone and see how you go from there. And I, I hope that something like that could be what's happening. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Studio Ghibli, of course, you should check out Studio Ghibli's Animated Wonders, which we talk about every single Studio Ghibli film. Um, but yeah, since... Uh, I'm trying to think of the last film. <laughs> the last film was that really average one we watched at the cinema. Well, well they did The Witches. Yeah, that one. Something. Yep. Which was done by his son in 3D. Yeah, um, still, it's they're still there. They really have not put out much. No, not Their that they had like a steady output, but you know, um, yeah, it's it's tough, and it's it it's also tough because a lot of the younger people in the studio obviously went off and did their own thing uh, rather than you know stick around and build studio yeah, and, even more so. Yeah, because they um, didn't feel like they could do anything there, which is probably true. To a mm. to a point, you know, yeah. Like well, they literally yeah. went off and made. It's much like easier that. to build your own legacy than trying to. Well, that one to watch. We watched it for what you want to watch like a couple of years ago. The, the witch one. That was one of the yeah, dudes. Mary and the witch. And, witch yeah, Flower, yeah, yeah. That was one of the dudes who was being trained up to be like part of Studio Ghibli's lineage, and he left and started his own studio, and that was the first film. So okay. Uh, also, Dylan, you delayed the start of this podcast because you wanted to watch one episode of the Zootopia Plus short film collection. Yep. So 
they put out I didn't realize this came out a couple days ago, so yeah, I had to delay by ten minutes. Um they <laughs> <laughs> I look at Fro, I watched the Grogu thing, I was like, Yeah, cool. And then I see this and I was like, fuck, I didn't realise it's out. I better watch it. I look at the 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 episodes in the length just out of interest. So they're all about like ten minutes. So they're not like three minute things, they're all about ten minutes. Um, and I see the bottom one is a storyline which involves Flash, Flash, Million Dollar Dash, and I'm like, I need to watch that shit. So I watched that one. Very funny. I laughed out loud quite a bit. The <laughs> the synopsis is literally, <laughs> you got this this character who's like a waiter, and they're like, at the start, they're like, oh man, I'm so excited. Half an hour until I get to go to the Giselle, Gazelle, whatever, concert Shakira's character, and then in walks Flash <laughs> with, um, I can't remember his, I don't know, his partner's name. Um whatever her name is the one that's voiced by uh, Kirsten Bell I think no Chris, no yes I think that's who voices it um but sh- they come in they want a table man if if you if if the one scene with Flash and Zootopia and by the way if you don't know how I'm talking about it's the sloth Flash is the, the sloth um that if that one scene makes you laugh every time in Zootopia which it does me this episode this this is a 10 minute must watch I don't know if you need to watch the rest I need to watch the rest I will definitely watch the rest but you 100% need to watch this it's, it's very very funny and the animation is a hundred. It's it's Zootopia. Looks very good. Anima- the voice sound. It, it's good shit. Can't wait to watch this. Uh, so I watched the series that just dropped on Disney Plus called "The Next Thing You Eat." So this is from David Chang, who previously did like Ugly, Ugly Delicious over on Netflix, uh, and was on the Anthony Bourdain. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of it. Um. Uh, he, he, yeah, you got to start with Anthony Bourdain. Uh, but yeah, this series kind of follows like the future of food and like restaurants and that kind of stuff. Uh, filmed, released 2021. So it's shot after the start of pandemic. So there's a few episodes that kind of like talking to different people who have worked in the the food industry while the pandemic's going on and how that affects, one, how restaurants will hopefully be run in the future. And then also like they tackle the idea of like home delivery and how that kind of changed how restaurants kind of work like the like uh, rise you of, mean like, like ghost... Uber Eats and stuff or... yeah that kind of stuff yeah like the rise of like ghost kitchens where it's like people are just cooking food in some factory somewhere and the Uber Eats guy comes and picks it up instead of like serving actual cu- customers and like in a uh parts of Hollywood they have like little robots delivering the food instead of having like did you see, just to jump in, it's not where you live, but did you see they added those drones in Queensland somewhere? No, I haven't seen that, so. Uh, yeah, Uber, I think it was Uber, they've got drones delivering food in a particular suburb of Brisbane at the moment. I think I do recall seeing the story, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I, as soon as I saw the story, I clicked on it to see if it was around you, because I was going to be like, you need to, but then I saw it was some other suburb I've never heard of, and I was like, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> yeah, so the second you can, you better, because if, if I could, I'd be like, I'd order shit right now. I'd be like, I'd be ordering shit just for the, the fuck, just as watch this drone deliver. Yeah, just I'd be so amused. the camera out the door and yeah, just wait I'd, for it to drop it. <laughs> I'd be so amused just for a week, just to be like, all right, watching, let me order. <laughs> how many milkshakes can I order from McDonald's? Like, I don't need to <laughs> actually drink them. Like, how many milkshakes before? One of these motherfuckers just gets dropped. Why did you really decide to milkshakes? Because he's going to drop one somewhere. Definitely could not. Yeah, I don't know. It just won't come in my mouth. But I'll be so. Yeah, I can tell you. If I could order off drones, I would just be just out of pure amusement. I'd be ordering shit. (laughs) Yeah, so it's really interesting. A lot of uh, interesting ideas they tackle. Not just the food industry, but like the sustainability of like sushi. Like how much 
obviously sushi's kind of been a, something that's blown up in the last probably decade, decade and a half. But, you know, the amount of fish is still kind of the same. So, like, how are we going to keep doing that in the future? Um, a lot of, like, discussing, like, a lot of how a lot of people, a lot of uh, companies like doing, like, making fish. You know what I mean? Like, genetically. Um, and how, you know, it's get it's getting close to the point where, you know, people won't be able to tell the difference between fish grown in the ocean and fish grown in a lab. Um, and how much, how that's going to like change the potential of, you know, humans in the future. Um, cause that will be more cost effective and, uh, more readily available and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, really interesting series. Um, only six episodes, about 45 minutes each. So, uh, I would recommend checking that out on Disney plus, uh, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, Dylan, I believe you watched a film of the year contender, All Quiet on the Western Front. What a fucking movie. I'm telling you right now. This, this is intense. This is an intense movie. Uh, definitely up there in my sort of short list of best movies of the year. Um, it's a, I feel like the pacing at times is a little bit off is my only sort of critique about it. Otherwise... If you want a really good war movie, this is it. So the, the setup is World War One. Um, you get introduced to, I can't remember the ending character's names. It's fine. It doesn't matter. But you, the story follows four German, I think it's four German soldiers. They're kids. Obviously they're like, you know, barely adults. And, um, at the start, they're so excited. Can't wait to go fight for Germany. And just to watch it and, just at the start, how excited they are to, you know, serve and whatever and fight. And then by the time they get there and they get to those pissed, shit, stinking fucking holes where they're just shooting at each other for years and doing nothing but, you know, dying, um, is, and their faces and just the way everything goes and how it all plays out. And it takes place over several years. So, so you do get time jumps and these sorts of things, but it's, yeah, I, I feel like there's no way Nick doesn't like this movie. I don't know if he's watched it yet. It's the way <laughs> I would sort of pitch it because it is a really good war movie, but it's also it's in the category of it's a really good anti-war movie, which is its own sort of category. You know, like it just plays it how it is, but it's not like your Hollywood save it Private Ryan, you know, like like it's about the heroes and there's a bad guy. It's, it's very much like you, you watch this and at the end you're like, the film does such a good job, in particular about World War One, where it's like, what's the fucking point? Like, all these, you know, like, you, you're not like, yeah, fuck yeah, especially because you're following it from the side of the German. Um, and they certainly don't win this. They don't win any wars. That's the... <laughs> um, the just the way... The, yeah, so you know from the outset, you're like, wait, I'm following the, the losers here. You know, nothing's going to go right for these, these <laughs> characters, so... Um, and it's pointless and they know it's pointless and everything else. I, I feel like I just have such a, ever since I watched that Peter Jackson documentary a couple of years ago, um, they shall not grow old. I think it's, that was the title yep. of it, which is just one of the best. I think that's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life. Um, did you ever end up watching that? Oh no, I can't remember. No, I didn't. I still stand by that being one of the best. Yeah. That's, uh, if you like documentaries, that's something that I feel like everyone should watch, especially in a world where World War One isn't like covered much because of the fact that there's no, there's not much footage and video and that sort of stuff for people to use. Whereas that documentary is literally fixed and added voiceover and it's, 
insane. But ever since I watched that, I've had such a more um, just interest in World War One, and this, this being set there, I just it was making me think about that documentary again. But it it does the same sort of thing. Like that documentary is very much like this. Just this uh, millions of people died for no reason. Just so people in fucking rooms, you know, over politics for no reason, and then um, the documentary in this movie, yeah, very much the same sort of thing. So I would one hundred percent suggest watching it. Just be prepared. It's it's uh, it's not like enjoyable, but <laughs> like it's dark and dire and you know you'll reach the end and you'll just you sort of feel exhausted so but very good uh i watched the sixth and latest series of big mouth of course the from one fucking thing to the other (laughs) (laughs) you know death and war yeah and penises (laughs) um yep yeah another great season um interestingly there's not like a massive I felt like every previous season, there's been, like, some new creature that's been added to the lore of, like, uh, these kids. Uh, that isn't necessarily the case this season, but everybody kind of gets their own story throughout the season, whether it's uh, Andrew dealing with his long-term uh, girlfriend, uh, Bernie Sanders. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Is that a phrasing, or...? No, the, his, the girl's called Bernie Sanders. Okay, right. I was like, what the... (laughs) (laughs) It's not actually Bernie Sanders. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and uh, uh, Jessie is dealing with, you know, her family issues. Um, Obviously, her stepmom is pregnant and, like, having to deal with that. Um, Yeah, lots of smaller stories that, you know, all coming together. All All the while, Maurice is pregnant. Based on the events of human resources. So if you're watching... So I don't know where you left. You probably watched season five of Big Mouth, right? I believe I've caught up on Big Mouth. I have not watched human resources, though. You need to... Yeah, so you would have watched last season of Big Mouth, which was season it five. It ended need- with... That, that ends with the whole... Last season had the, 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 the Nick... The, the cameo of What's-His-Face. Yes. Right. The, yeah, but then that got metal, yes. right? Yeah. So then so. you need to watch Human Resources before watching this season. For canon That's reasons. That's not a lot so, of work. Uh, so, wait. <laughs> so Human Resources <laughs> is just, like, set in between these seasons? Is that the... Yes. Okay. I I, I know I was a bit subpar, like, on the... I was, like... Well, okay, I, I, recall you, I recall you saying Human Resources was good, but not as good as Big Mouth. That's what I heard you say, so... Uh, yeah, I'd probably say overall, but I, it definitely picked up towards the end of the season. Um... But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Another great season of Big Mouth. Lots of funny gags. There's an entire episode narrated by uh, the Shame Monster's mother. You know, the, uh, her voice by, I want to say, Helen Mirren. Uh, in which she discusses the shame of uh, female vaginas. So, it's just a bunch of stories about women like being really upset about their vaginas. So, I feel like these shows... So, what will happen is, I won't watch this for a while. And then, yep. eventually, I'll reach a period where I just, like... So if I need to watch Human Resources, I'll just binge Human Resources and just in like a couple days is what happens. Because last time I was like several seasons behind and I just caught up on like two, three seasons in like a week, I think. (laughs) Just when I had, it was like, I've got spare time. There's nothing I need to play or watch or what. I think it was when I was on holidays. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's everything in our watch history. Let's move into the little bit of film news we got. Uh, Big story. Westworld has been cancelled. Uh, reading from Hollywood Reporter, 
HBO has switched off Westworld. The network has decided to cancel the sci-fi drama after its recent fourth season in an unexpected fate for a series that was once considered one of HBO's biggest tentpoles and claimed Mystery Box that racked up 54 Emmy nominations, including a supporting actress win for Thandie Newton. Last month, co-creator Jonathan Nolan said in an interview that he hoped HBO would give the series a fifth season to wrap up the show's ambitious story, which has chronicled a r- uprising that changed the fate of humanity. Uh... Yet, linear ratings for the Pricey series fell off sharply for its third season, uh, and it then dropped even further for its fourth. Westworld's critic average on Rotten Tomatoes likewise declines from the mid-80s for its first two seasons to the mid-70s for the latter two. Fans just increasingly griped that the show had become confusing and tangled in mythology and lacked characters to root for. Looming over all of this is, in fact, is the fact Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Vaslev has a pledged aggressive Cost-cutting, though network insiders maintain that saving money was not a factor in the show's cancellation. Dylan, what do you feel about Westworld being cancelled? Bevan World's over, yo. Um, one of the Sludge Network's original review after shows. Rest in peace. Um, I think it's sort of disappointing. Obviously, I like Westworld. I do agree that you know the first season, the banger, and it sort of just stands on its own as such. But, um. This last season, I think, was the best since the first season. At least I felt like it was. It sort of felt like it was getting back on track. And it, when me and Nick talked about the finale, we were saying, like, it really very much felt like it was, it set itself up for one final season. It was like all the chess pieces were being moved into place. And it was like, all right, we've got 10 episodes left and we're, we're heading towards wrapping up now. And you could see sort of what, what the idea of that last season was going to be. Um, so it's sort of annoying that they come this close to the finish line and we don't get to see it through. But I understand at the same time, it, yeah, it's the, the viewer numbers were like, you know, I would always see stories about viewership dropping and whatever else. I thought the ratings might have been up for this season. They surely were up over the last season, but um, they were never going to reach the highs of that first season again. So, yeah, disappointing, but not surprising, ultimately. Um, Yeah, as an outsider, I think, you know, I... I just suspect they would have given it this final season, just that the story is complete. I think, um, especially in this day and age where shows live much longer than they do while they're airing, having a complete story would have been, uh, I think, I don't know, I think it maybe is something that is undervalued. <laughs> like, um, especially with the news that apparently, uh, reading from, uh, Deadline, uh, citing unnamed sources, a new report from Deadline indicates that the core Westworld cast, which includes Evan Rachel Wood, Thandie Newton, Jeffrey Wright, Ed Harris, and Aaron Paul, had negotiated pay-or-play deals for Season 5. A pay-or-play contract ensures that an actor will still be paid even if the production does not move forward and their services are no longer required. It's a way for producers or studio or network to guarantee that the talent will be on hand for a project that is in development. The salary is due for the Westworld cast are said to be $10 to $15 million. So... You're already. You're definitely going to have to pay these actors, <laughs> whether the series was going to be done or not. So you might as well have just done this season, uh, just so people have closure. Uh, you know, and there's a reason for people to go back and watch it again, I guess, mm. or, or new viewers to go in. And go. Oh, it's yeah, there's way less. Story. There's way less reason to start a show mm. when you know there isn't actually a, a finish line. D- at, with the show cancelled, would you recommend people go watch Westworld? I'd recommend watching the first season and just pretending there's no more after that. Because the second you go to the second season, the more you're going to want to watch, you, that's when they really start in, like introducing all these other characters and elements that just are going to get left and you're never going to see them 
pull like come through whereas the first season yeah sure there's like elements left open towards that that happened in the second season but at least i feel like you could watch that and see some storylines actually close off in that first season mm, absolutely uh yeah so rip west wild rip best bevan well which is probably the more important thing yeah. uh, <laughs> uh very sad uh yeah that's kind of all the big film news for the week. It's been a... Wrong. What? What did I miss? Ash Ketchum won the world championship. Well, I thought Ash, we were going to save know. that for RK Couch this week. I don't need uh, to mention that because it's an anime, right? This is what I'm going to talk about. Anime, right? Okay. I just want to shout out to my boy. Um, Thanks. Shout outs to Pokemon for spoiling the show that is only airing in Japan. Yeah, I was going to ask this. <laughs> I was going to ask this. How do you feel about this in the world of spoilers? It, like, obviously, you're not watching it. And I, I don't care. I retweeted it because I was like, fuck, I didn't give a fuck. But <laughs> the, it is quite interesting the fact that it's only airing in Japan. I've seen. So, Pokemon account retweets it, says Ash finally won. Then I see the voice actor, the English voice actor for Ash, quote retweet it and say, super excited to bring this story to life to you, you know, down the line or whatever else. So, like, everyone. I. I I actually just think it was like it's just such a monumental moment that it it's like if you if you're waiting for the dub, too bad, so sad. <laughs> you know, like it's like yeah. whatever. Like it's yeah. I thought it was funny. But I did see people and I've still seen people looking in the replies to some, you know, looking to reply to that person, the actor quote retweeting. Look at you know, every now and then every couple of people there's someone like, Hey, you spell that funny, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, just celebrate. Ash this yeah, dude, just- this ten year old's been trying for twenty five fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he finally was able to win the big one. Did you see the Uh, Did you actually watch the the footage? Uh, No, because I don't want that spoiled. (laughs) I've seen what people said, or I've seen tweets uh, hinting at what happens, which is that it must, like, flashback and show previous teens or something like that is what I've I've gathered. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, there's a moment. They showed the last... The last, like... Obviously, it's a six-on-six battle. There's one Pokemon Mm. each left. I don't think yeah. that's too much of a spoiler to say. No, I don't think that's uh, a spoiler. Yeah, and there's a moment that, you know, there's yeah. a bit of a flashback of all the different Pokemon Ash has had. Yeah. Um, every single companion that he's had on his journey is kind of watching either in the stadium or on mobile devices. On screen somewhere. Yeah. Um, See, that's the part. I, having him win spoiled doesn't affect me. I would rather just watch all that and see how I feel when I'm going to watch it properly. That's fine. That's, that's my choice. But seeing yeah. it, seeing it, seeing it, seeing it's such a, a big story moment that because this is why we have this discussion. Like, can you have big things spoiled? Where it's like, it doesn't really matter. They won. I just, I, 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 I just don't want to see it out of context. I want to watch it myself. That that would be the spoiler to me. Mm. I don't want someone to yeah. flash the clip in front of me. You know, I want to be able to choose when I watch it. <laughs> is the yeah because it sounds like it's emotional. Well, the bit that I watched, it was like a 10 minute bit of the actual fight, so it was pretty emotional. Yeah, yeah, it just felt like a very, it felt like a sports anime, which is not what Pokemon has felt like ever. It depends, depends. There are episodes where it's like, like, especially when you get into the, the full. I guess like the first time he loses at the championships, he gets, what's his face and the Sparky, the Pikachu. Oh, um, oh, when Char- Captain, when spoilers Lieutenant for like, Surge, when, Surge when, no, one. when uh, Charizard quits, yeah, step forward. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. always like sad, like actual, like, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, because he's been losing for twenty five years, so yeah. filled with sad moments. Um, 
The, did you see the tweet I uh, retweeted before where it was like, um, Ash is the, what every uh, manager wants, uh, a 10-year-old with 25 years work experience? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, very interesting. Congrats, Ash. I don't, yeah, this might be the point where they like, he retires from the- or they It's crazy. I'm like, what happens now? Because the, obviously the Pokemon anime is always airing. And every time a new mainline game comes out, they sort of, they change location to that region in the anime. Mm-hmm. Like, Ash, it's sort of like a, a refresh, but it's not. Like, Ash sort of starts with, like, just Pikachu yep. again, and he starts capturing or whatever else. I'm like, what the fuck? He's won the champion. Like, are we, is Pokemon over? Like, what happens there to anime now? Are we getting a new character? Because people have always had this rumor ever since they introduced Go a couple seasons ago at the start of Sword Shield, that he was being sort of slowly pushed to be the new lead of the, the show, which... I'm not against it if Ash is still in some episodes. At least I'd be willing to test the waters. But, man, I could tell some people would be pissed if that's what they're going to do. But we'll see. No. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Like, can you do a season of the show where Ash has been champion? I mean, (laughs) how how does that even handle? And then he loses. He just gives away all his Pokemon again and starts, starts fresh. It's like, oh, I guess I gotta try and win again. You know the pressure. You know? Mm. If they do, he has to turn eleven. That's that's my minimum requirement. Yeah. <laughs> First episode of the next <laughs> season. It's his birthday. He's finally turning eleven. <laughs> 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 what a big moment! All right. Uh, sure, there wasn't any big news, but you know, there's so much casting and like film news, small stories uh, that we do a segment. I like we like to call. Would you want to invest in which I give Dylan a different project? He lets me know if he would want to fully invest, partially invest, or not invest. And then history is the judge of whether he is a winner or not. So yeah. Dylan, are you looking forward to this week's iteration of Would You Want to Invest? I'm, re- I'm strapped in and ready for you to give me a bunch of shitty movies or projects. Projects. All right. 17 years ago, George Clooney brilliantly restaged a precarious moment in US history with Good Night and Good Luck. This tale was this was the tale of Morrow and the CBS news producer Fred Friendly, who has laid their professional lives on the line to take on the fascist red baiting bully that was Wisconsin to Joseph McCarthy. Uh, it's hard to imagine telling the story more concisely than Clooney and co-writer Grant Heslov did with Good Night and Good Luck, but Morrow and Friendly didn't do it alone. So it's encouraging to hear via the here Hollywood Reporter that Clooney and Heslov have teamed with Jonathan Glatzer who's written on Better Call Saul and Succession to tie her up the microscope on the amazing moment in history in a new uh, television series. Uh, which will air on AMC. I'm half invest. Okay. Is that an option? I forget. Partially invest. Partial invest. Uh, I like the talent behind I don't love George Clooney involved in anything really when he's not an actor, though, to be honest. So, I like everyone but him. I, I, I don't really think he's a great director. I don't think he's a great producer either, so, but we'll see. Uh, Killing Eve, Sandra Oh, Kyo Chin, and Hyun Kao Kai Duen are set to for key recurring roles in The Sympathizer, a drama series adaptation of Viet Tan Nguyen's Pulitzer Prize winning novel produced and co starring Robert Downey Jr. The Sympathizer is an espionage thriller and cross-cultural satire about the struggles of a half-French, half-Vietnamese communist spy during the final days of the Vietnam War and is resulting in the exile in the United States. Describes as a blistering exploration of identity in America, a gripping spy novel, and a powerful story of love and friendship. 
Wait, who's Robert Downey Jr. in this? Uh, the main character, because that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, he's is he painting his fucking skin a different color again. Like, what's going on there? He's, uh, he's said to play multiple supporting roles as the main antagonist. Okay, I was like. Robert Downey Jr. is not Asian. <laughs> that was, that was, um, uh, old boy director Park Chan-wook is on board as co-showrunner, along with Don McKellar, who will also direct the series. Full invest! Oh, fuck it. Where's this coming to, does it say? Uh, I don't think it does. When does Robert Downey Jr. do TV shows? The series is co-production between HBO and A24, so... Okay, well, why didn't you tell me that before, Ash? Well, that was at the bottom of the article, so... Fucking hell. All right, fully invest. All right. Leave out the key figures, key stats. Mario Van Peebles has wrapped production in Montana on Outlaws, a new western that he wrote, directed, and stars in for Quiver. Others joining... What the fuck is Quiver? Is it Quibby back in with different form? I don't know. This is something I need to check. <laughs> I've heard of never quiver. Quibby? Quiver. It's quibby, but they go for 45 minutes. That's a normal streaming service, sir. No, <laughs> it's not. It's different. Quiver. Quiver, you can only watch on Samsung frame TVs when you rotate them to a vertical angle. For niche audience. Quiver distribution. <laughs> Okay, right. It's a distribution company. <laughs> okay. <'cause> right. <laughs> All right, continue. All right. Uh, okay. Others joining Van Pebbles in major roles include Whoopi Goldberg, Cedric the Entertainer, Edward James Olmos, John Carroll Lynch, William Maptha, and M. Emmett Walsh. Outlaw follows Chief, a renegade cowboy putting together a multicultural team of new and old friends in order to ride into dangerous, unsettled territory to achieve gold from an abandoned mind. Hot on Chief's tail is Angel, a spurned lawman and civil war veteran with a thirst for vengeance so begins a cross-country journey with chief and his band of outlaws crossing paths with a number of interesting historical characters on the way including a true-to-life stagecoach mary played by goldberg partially yes i feel like maybe westerns are going to come back so maybe yeah, like at the moment because obviously yellowstone sort of thing gives you a bit more interest but okay 1886 whatever that is as well the prequel thing uh, Omar J. Dorsey, Andrea Anders, Vanessa Felito, and Jorge Garcia are set as series regulars opposite Sebastian Maniscolo in HBO Max's original comedy series, How to Be a Bookie, from Big Bang Theory co-creator, executive producer Chuck Law, and Warner Brothers Television. Co-written by Law and Nick Backe in How to Be a Bookie, veteran bookie Danny struggles to survive the impending legalization of sports gambling, increasingly unstable clients. Family, co-workers, and a lifestyle that bounces him around every corner of Los Angeles, high and low. Uh, not investing. Just like they stereotyped all the nerds in Big Bang Theory, I'm sure every character in this is going to be Italian and yell at each other. <laughs> Oscar and Emmy winner Viola Davis will produce and star in the upcoming feature G20 from Amazon Studios and MRC Film. The action thriller from director Patricia Riggin uh, sees terrorists overtake the G20 summit with American President Taylor Sutton, played by Davis, then bringing all her stagecraft and military experience to defend her family, her fellow leaders, and the world. I'm all in. Full invest. <laughs> uh, crazy. White House down, but better. White House down, but with more world leaders. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the president says today. 
<sighs> Fox has rounded out the cast for Animal Control. Michael Rollins, Grace Palmer, Jerry D, Kerry Oxmond, and and Alvina August join Joel McHale, Vela Lovell, and Ravi Patel in the straight in the upcoming straight to series workplace comedy. Created by Bob Fisher, Rob Greenberg, and Dan Sterling, the comedy series follows a group of local animal control workers whose lives are complicated by the fact that animals are simple, but humans are not. Mm, I'm not dancing. Uh, Daniel Zavotto is set to star opposite Anna Kendrick in the true crime thriller The Dating Game, which Kendrick is also directing. Uh, the script is from a blacklist script by Ian McAllister Donald, McDonald and is based on the Stranger Than... F- tr- Stranger Than Fiction true story of Cheryl Bradshaw, who was a bachelorette on the hit 70s TV matchmaking show The Dating Game, and chose handsome and funny bachelor number one, Rodney Alka, Alcala. But behind Alcala's charming facade was a deadly secret. He was a psychopathic, he was a psychopathic serial killer. I know why you're laughing, but I uh, fully invest. I just love the idea that it's like, how about we get some serial killers in more of these reality shows today? You know? Make him the bachelor. You know what happens. Heads hit the block after the block. <laughs> Apple TV has rounded out the ensemble cast for Sunny, a half-hour darkly comedic drama starring and executive by Rashida Jones. Joanna Sosamura stars in the titular role, along with Annie the Clumsy, Yu, uh, Judy Ong, and Jun Kunimura. Uh, Partial yeah, this. Rashida Jones. Apple TV. I feel like they could do something. Yeah. Just a w- bunch of weird names. <laughs> I don't know mm. if it's... A, yeah. No, apparently one of these people is called you. I mean, pff, no need to be racist, though. <laughs> this it just seems like a recipe for, like, who's on first, like, yeah. conversations, you know? Yeah, I mean, good point, yeah. Owen Crowshoe has joined the ensemble cast of Kevin Costa's epic western Horizon, which is currently shooting in Utah. Uh, Horizon follows the 15-year span of pre- and post-Civil War expansion and the settlement of the American West. Experienced through the eyes of many, the journey is fraught with peril and intrigue from the constant onslaught of natural elements to interactions with the indigenous people who lived on the land and the termination at all and at times many ruthlessness of and at many times the ruthlessness of those who sought to settle it. No, I'm not investing. This is going to be white savior shit. Wow. Just because he did Dances with Wolves, it's always going to be a white savior thing. Yeah, that's right. Chloe Bennett and our boy Ronnie Chang have been joined, have joined the cast of Interior, Ch- <laughs> of Interior Chinatown, a new series in the works at Hulu uh, from 20th Century and creator, executive producer Charles Yu, who wrote the 2020 bestseller of the same name, Interior Chinatown. Follows the story of Willis Willis Wu, played by Jimmy O. Yang, a background character trapped in a police procedural, trying to find his way into the larger story, and along the way discovers secrets about the strange world he inhabits and his family's varied history. That's wild. Fully invest. Yeah. Looking forward to that one. ABC has greenlit the new unscripted comedy series, The Pank The Prank The Prank <laughs> Panel. A show where everyday people pitch pranks targeting family members, friends, and co-workers to a panel of the world's greatest pranksters. As the show's panel of prank spurts, Johnny Knoxville, Eric Andre, and Gabrielle Sidibe will give viewers a behind-the-scenes look at how they p- help to plot and plan elaborate and diabolical schemes. 
They're taking on double duty as mentors and saboteurs, and sometimes celebrity guests will join in on the fun. Uh, fully invest. I saw this the other day, like last week or whatever, and I was like, Joan Knoxville and Eric Andre. I mean, all right, done. Wow, wait to leave Gabriel's way out of the... Sorry. Amelia Jones is set to lead uh, director Susanna Fogel's darkly comedic biopic, Winner, which has just started principal photography. After exposing Russia's interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election, reality winner was sentenced to five years and a, five and a half years in prison, the longest sentence ever given to someone charged under the Espionage Act for leaking a government documents. The story follows Winner, a brilliant young misfit from Texas who finds her morals challenged while serving in the U.S. Air Force and working as an NSA contractor. The film will offer a fresh take on the traditional whistleblower thriller. The coming-of-age story follows an idealistic young woman persecuted before standing up for her beliefs. Uh, yeah, full invest. Apparently, that, that sounds like it. Yeah. Could be a potential Oscar buzz sort of story. Or touchstone, I guess. So, sure. Mm. Disney is actively looking to develop an Indiana Jones TV show for Disney+. Plus. Variety has learned exclusively from Fully sources invest. the House of Mouse. And Lucasfilm has officially been bringing up the possibility of streaming show set in the world of a globetrotting archaeologist and general meetings with low artists of late, sources say. They are still looking for a to take on the project, thus no plot details are given. Given that it is unknown if the series will serve as a prequel to or a spin-off of the fran- film franchise or a film tie into the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones, similar how Disney has tied its Marvel shows on Disney Plus into the cinematic Marvel Cinematic Universe. So yeah, you're fully invested. If it's young indie, I'm fully investing. There's and no base- guarantees, you know? It's just a show set in the... I'm rolling the dice, the I'm fully investing. I'm fully investing after it. Alright, your funeral. <laughs> no. My uh, party too. <laughs> Netflix has landed the feature rights to Seesaw Monster, a 29 book, 2019 book by Kotara Asaka, uh, whose novel Maria Beetle was recently adapted in David Leach's Actioneer Bullet Train for Sony. Uh, Olivia Milch will adapt a screenplay with Oscar winner Anne Hathaway and Oscar nominee Salma Hayek Pinault uh, attached to Star. Who will direct it is not yet clear. Uh, while Netflix is keeping plot specifics under wraps, is described the film as an action comedy two-hander that will leave Hathaway and Pinault playing rival f- force together. A few descriptions of Seesaw Monster is fa- to be found online. Billet as a story moving between the Japan of the Showa age and 2050, centered on the relationship between a wife and her mysterious mother-in-law. Uh, I'm not guessing. Yeah, there was a lot there. Was yeah. In demand, Oscar nominee Florence Pugh is set to lead the psychological thriller Fully The invest. Pack. Alexander Skarsgård is set to direct and co-star in the film. Uh, which will be one of the hottest packages in next week's American film market. The film, which begins shooting in March, follows a group of document- documentarians who brave the remote wilderness of Alaska in an effort to save a nearly extinct species of wolves. When the crew is brought back together at a prestigious award ceremony, tensions flare as a deadly truth threatens to unravel their work. The team live through the harsh environments of the wild, but will a secret they share survive the night? Get fully invested. Get fully invested, yeah. Uh, Layla George is set to star alongside Kate Blanchett and Kevin Klein in Disclaimer, a new psychological thriller series from Alfonso Cuaron for Apple TV+. Based on the novel of the same name by Bruno Knight, Disclaimer tells the story of Catherine Ravenscroft, a successful and respected television documentary journalist whose work has been built on revealing the concealed transgressions of long-respected institutions. 
um, a part invest for Alphonse. Okay, last one. <laughs> uh, Mary Holland has signed on to star alongside Amy Adams and Scoot McNary in Searchlight Pictures' darkly comic horror Night Bitch, based on the debut model novel of Rachel Yoder. Marielle Heller is directing from her own script. The film is now now in production, tells the story of a woman thrown into the stay-at-home routine of raising a toddler in the suburbs, who slowly embraces the feral power deeply rooted in motherhood as she becomes increasingly aware of the bizarre and undeniable signs that she may be turning into a canine. I want to. I've got this book on my wish list um, from a couple of years ago. I remember like seeing reading that people were saying it was good. So for that part, uh, fully invest. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll find out in a few years how well Dylan did. Yeah. All right, let's give some thumbs to some trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we are about to talk about in the show notes below. Uh, yeah, let's just kick things straight off with The Eternal Daughter, directed by Joanna Hogg, uh, starring Tilda Swinton, Joseph Meidel, Carly Sophia Davies, and Alfie Sankey Green. A middle-aged daughter and her elderly mother must confront long-buried secrets when they return to their former family home, a once-grand manor that has become a nearly vacant hotel brimming with mystery. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer? Really good. Um, You got this, yeah, dual performance happening with, um, fuck, what's her name? <laughs> Just losing my mind over it. Tilda Swinton? Uh, Tilda Swinton, yeah. Who's, you know, she's... Obviously, a wide range the the, the roles and prosthetic, prosthetics and stuff she does, but yeah, really again, really good just seeing someone like that get to show her a caliber of acting skill. Looks like a, a tense psychological thriller, I guess. I don't know what it looks like, but uh, I'm going to double thumbs up. I have I don't really know what's going on, but it just looks looks. I got Till Till Swinton. I got A24. I don't know. Double thumbs up. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I'll give it one up, one down. I, you know, didn't really grab me, but it's it, and it kind of uh, it's interesting that Tilda Swinton's playing both characters, <laughs> uh, especially given she played a uh, same multiple characters in a film recently. Um, you know, she's just maybe she's just so good she can't just do one role at one time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this isn't of all the Joanna Hogg films that I would need to watch. This isn't the one that's going to be at the top of my list. So. One up, one down for me. Yeah, so this is releasing uh, in the US on the 2nd of December 2022, but there is currently no Australian release date. Of course. Uh, next trailer, Bumper in Berlin, uh, developed by Megan Am- Amram and Elizabeth Banks, starring Adam Devine, Flula Borg, Sarah Hyland, Jamila Jamil, and Lyra Abova. Set several years after his last appearance in Pitch Perfect, the series follows Bumper Allen as he moves to Germany to revive his music career after one of his songs becomes a big hit in Berlin. Dylan, what do you think of this trailer? I um I um I remember when they announced that, like I read or not announced. I just remember reading like the upcoming or something like that. Like only a couple weeks ago, and realized this was actually a thing. And at first, I found it really like I was like I don't know if that interests me. But then I saw Jamila Jam- Jam- Jamila Jamil. That's that's it, right? Yes. Um, yeah. I saw she was in it. I was like, all right, never mind. I'm back in because I enjoy watching her and things. So, 
because um, it's like when I think about, it, I really love Pitch Perfect, like the films, especially the first two or the, you know first one, second one, the third one I didn't love, but those films in general. But I mean, when I think about Pitch Perfect, I'm like, man, Adam Levine's guy, <laughs> you know, like it's not like a jumping out standpoint. But I thought the trailer for this was really good. I'm going double thumbs up. I think this looks like a lot of fun, actually. So, uh. Yeah, I'll give it one up, one down as well. I know, man. I'm really, I'm really the much more happy. I mean, it looks fun, but you know, I don't have high hopes. Um, you know, I mean, the story is taken from the life of David Hasselhoff, isn't it? It's just telling his life, but with bumper from Pitch Perfect. <laughs> um, I mean, the cast looks fun, you know. Uh, but yeah, it just you know, I'll probably watch it, you know. I don't think anybody would be like, wow, Pitch Perfect is going to be an amazing show, uh, movie. But then we watched it, we had a good time. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, this is a similar thing, you know? So, uh, this is coming to Stan on the 24th of November. Next trailer Troll, directed by Raw Untag, starring In Marie Willman, Kim Falk, Mads Shohag Peterson. God B. Eiswald, Pal Richard Lunderboy, and Eric Vorenholtz. When an explosion in the Norwegian mountains awakens an ancient troll, officials appoint a fearless paleontologist to stop it from wreaking deadly havoc. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Troll? I watched this the other day, and I was like, fuck yeah, I'm all about this. And then I knew someone else who would be straight into it. It was my dad, because my dad loves shitty monster. Like, he loves those Sharknado movies and just, like, absolutely nonsensical <laughs> monster movies and stuff so i showed him and he's like yes i'm in so um (laughs) um i think it looks really good the funniest thing about this is it's i mean it's literally just king kong but a troll but they did that movie like 10 years ago i feel like trolls and that was multiple trolls but i don't feel like that had anywhere near the budget this does this actually looks like a high budget netflix movie like the cgi and everything else looks really really good but i mean i'm in i like these sorts of movies when they're done well and every now and then you you know every you can't really tell you two watch them. They always look good in the trials, and you watch them, and I feel like they either fall very quickly into the, eh, and then very quickly into the, that was great. So, I, I, I'll be watching it nonetheless. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm keen. Double thumbs up. I'm all in. Double thumbs up on everything this week, apparently. Yeah, this is two thumbs up from me as well. I think, you know, I enjoyed the build-up, um, the slow reveal of the troll. Like, the troll isn't real until, like, towards the end. It looks like a fantastic uh, monster movie, you know, even though it's set in some Nor- Norway, I want to say. Yeah, well, it's, it's like that. That's uh, they use trolls because it's, it's their folklore, or yeah, Scandinavian. <laughs> so they, it's like their folklore or whatever that just leans that way. So it's the same as like J- Japanese monsters, is obviously like kaiju and yeah. In America, I love like that the these. the craziness of them getting a paleontologist to come and deal with this. Wow, um, scientists yeah. using scientists is no like. Not a scientist, like someone who just studies the fossils of stuff. Yeah, they did in Jurassic yeah. Park. But... Yeah, I think it looks pretty good. Like I enjoyed the opening of the, like the the people like hiding in their house, and then the whole house is ripped apart. Really interesting. So yeah, looking forward to that one. Uh, next trailer is Christmas Ransom, directed by Adele Vuko, starring Matt O'Kine, Miranda Tapsell, and Ed Oxenbold. When a beloved Toy Story, Harrington and Sons, is hijacked on Christmas Eve by a pair of bumbling criminals and the struggling owner held for ransom, a pair of shoplifting kids stumble into the heist where they are forced to team up with a heavily pregnant security officer to save Christmas for everyone. 
Dylan, what did you think of Trailer for Christmas Ransom? I think it looks fun. I like. I really always appreciate when I can fall back on Stan and know that I'll have. But they are just the the place producing the most original Australian content, and I like the fact that I think two three years now, at least two, we've had an Australian produced uh, Christmas movie. So I I, I like that. This is the. The writers of this did Sunberg Christmas. Yeah, so two right. two years then, definitely. I don't know if there was one before yeah. that. I can't think of. I don't of, know if there Sunberg. was one last year. Yeah. yeah. So, or did they miss a year then? I guess COVID. Yeah, probably didn't help. But I like how we've had these like at least a couple of years. So, um, I enjoy uh, Meadow Meadowcombe, right? Yes. Yep. Um, I enjoy uh, I enjoy everything I've watched him in these other stand show, whatever else. So, um, yeah, I'm keen to watch this December first. Oh, we'll go one up, one down for the trailer because it was a little bit like I. The start was like. Yeah, fine, whatever. And then I actually thought when it sped up the pace and just started like doing more text on screen to bit jokes cut in between, it just felt a little bit funnier there. And I liked the part of them with that stupid bogan woman was like, "All right, I'm a Thai fast shower. I want to be on beach in Bali in my fucking Christmas." But she doesn't say fuck. I was like, I thought it was funny. So yeah, I'm going one up one down. Uh, yeah, I'll go one up one down as well. I mean, it looks like a amalgamation of a bunch of different things. Uh, with uh, a bunch of Aussie humor. I think the most crazy thing that, about this trailer is like the toy store about this movie. I don't think I'd ever see a toy store like that here in Australia. No. Well, with I mean, it's just, it's just, just a big, yeah. big toy world. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, just too, you know, niche I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So this one is releasing on December 1st on stand. Here's my question. We are doing a christmas podcast if oh you haven't God. seen it already we're doing a very explosion network christmas you can find it at explosion.com with we've just finished discussing all the santa claus movies all three of them we're about to do episode by episode after shows for the santa clauses which we're releasing mm. this week on disney plus we've already committed to doing spirited uh the will ferrell uh ryan reynolds octavia spencer film the spoiler cast we're going to do a spoiler cast for violent night starring david harbour so we need to add this to the list you know what you need to add, actually? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it was up to me. I went to try for a movie the other day. Uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. Have you seen this one? No. My God. If You should watch... <laughs> I watched a trailer. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah. It's a horror movie, Christmas movie. Obviously, that's what oh, I well, it. Then no. But it's <laughs> wild. It it doesn't... Like, it's it's a robotic Santa that <laughs> goes around. And he's, like, got laser beam eyes at one point, And, um... It's just like come alive, and it, it, obviously it's not taking itself very seriously. There's there's a few no. like outlandish lines and stuff like that, but I was like, yes, um, I like how I've got okay. two horror like between that and um, what is the David Harbour one called? Violent Night. I don't, I don't think I, that's a horror movie. That's more. That's of a horror action. movie. No, that's it's a horror action movie. Come on, it's going around killing people. Looks it looks violent. I like how I, t- I, I like how I got two. Right. Adult if we Christmas can find movies. a way to watch this before Christmas here in Australia. We'll do it. Okay. Would you want to do a Christmas way. ransom as well? Fine. All right, fine. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Netflix has just dropped a bunch of trailers for Christmas movies, so I don't know if we're going to have to add more to the list. <sighs> <laughs> Your idea to do a Christmas podcast. To review every fucking Christmas movie that comes out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we got to do the Lindsay Lohan one. Bloody hell. No, no we don't. All right, final trailer for this week. John Wick Chapter 4, directed by Chad Stelitsky, uh, starring Keanu Reeves, Donnie Yen, Bill Skarsgård, Lawrence Fishburne, Hiroyuki Sonata, 
Shabir Anderson, Lance Reddick, Rina Sawayama, Scott Adkins, Ian McShane. John Wick uncovers a path to defeating the high table. But before he can earn his freedom, Wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for John Wick Chapter 4? I'm um, 100% in. These movies just continue to look good, good to me. Um, there's a part here where he's shooting people on a horse, and then there's another part where he's like walking upstairs and somehow dodging bullets while shooting people. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But um, I get my boy Donnie Yen. Versus John Wick. Double thumbs up, I'm sold. Mm. Uh, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. I think it looks really good. Got me really interested. Um, great cast. I think that last shot of them with him and Donnie Yen with swords going at it, shooting yeah. each other. Is this uh, John Wick or is this The Matrix? I don't know. Because <laughs> surely you can't do that in real life. It has to be some sort of sci-fi element, right? No, he's just deflecting bullets with the gun. Or blocking the bullets with the now. gun. Now. Now. Oh, he's just John Wick, man. <laughs> Fucking Tom. Yeah, this, Don, I like how I every know, movie Donnie Yen's in. I don't know any of his characters' names. I'm just like, it's it's John Wick versus Donnie Yen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look crazy. Um, also, Kiroyuki Sonata, he's like, he's just, he's working. Oh. Yeah. He's like in pretty much every other movie, right? It feels like. If you've got a big action movie, Hiroyuki Sonata's going to be in it. Is a spoiler to say he's in Bullet Train or? I don't think so. I think it, that was in the trailer. Oh, I think it was okay. in trailers. So. Okay, I couldn't remember, but yeah. Yeah, cool I feel that. like I've seen a lot of him in the last couple of years. So yeah, two thumbs up from me. Okay, John Wick Chapter 4 is releasing in cinemas on March 23rd, 2023. Alright, let's wrap up this week's episode of What Do You Want to Watch with our What Do You Want to Watch Top 3. Definitely in the Top 3. And in honor, I guess, of Westworld getting cancelled. <laughs> this week's top three is top three cancelled shows you should still watch. Whoa, uh, you didn't add that asterisk. Whoa! No, it's fine. it's fine. I mean, that's literally what it says in the... What I wrote down. It says top three cancelled shows you should still watch. Okay. okay. Dylan, what's the number three? Terminator. The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, it's really good. It was sort of under, it's, th- this shows a, a better Terminator thing than most of the Terminator things that have come out since T2. I don't, I, I, actually, that's probably fair. I think Sarah Connor Chronicles is the best Terminator thing since Terminator 2. And then Brunner, I'll put that, in third place, I'd probably put that last movie that came out. Whatever that one was called, I can't remember. Um, but obviously it stars, um, it has, oh, fuck, what's her name from Game of Thrones? Bloody the Queen? Uh, Lena Headey. Lena Headey plays... Sarah Connor. Um, then you've got the other girl. I can't remember who plays the Terminator and everything. It's just, it's just like a, a really good road trip where it like builds upon the relationship of these characters. Obviously, you've got um, Connor, the kid in it as well, played by someone I can't remember who. But um, the fact that they could have built up and potentially if this done really well, it would have. I feel like this series, if it played out over several seasons, it would have been really good to build up and then play out in a in an actual like movie like movie to finish off the the show but make it the next actual terminator show uh terminator movie being a, a finale of this would have been a really good way to play it all out but yeah apparently if people didn't like it not people not enough people watch it it's crazy thinking about how like the terminator movies always do well but maybe it's just the fact they didn't have arnie i guess I, 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 I don't know but it was it was good yeah absolutely um good pick uh my number three and i'll say doing a bit of research trying to get inspiration for like what shows uh, 
would you recommend? A lot of these shows that people claim are cancelled are shows that ran several seasons, and they're like, oh, we just want more of it. Yeah, they're it like, oh, cancelled, man, it ended. It got, it got, it got it cancelled at 13 seasons, and, or, like, yeah, it got one last season. Yeah, I don't know. No. My number, number three, High Fidelity. I've talked about it a lot. Of course, Zoe Kravitz starring in the gender-bent version of the of uh, Ben Hornsby's novel. Uh, it is superior to the movie, in my opinion. A lot oh. of fun. It still works as, like, a one-season, one 10-episode uh, miniseries. Um, would have loved more, but yeah, I would dec- definitely recommend still going out and checking out High Fidelity. Great ensemble. Lots of great supporting characters uh, who have a lot of them going on to bigger and better. Bigger and other things. So, yeah. Uh, Dylan, what's your number two? My number two is Glow. Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, Netflix. The fact that this show was cancelled was some of the, the the most pissed off cancellation I think I've I've had in the last five years, probably. Um, they just needed at least one more season. I feel like in one more season, just let them wrap it up. But these the, the way they left those characters, it's up. It's it keeps me up at night, Tash. I'll tell you what, it keeps me up at night. It's it's, mm. it's absolutely disgusting. I just need one more season to see these characters for everything. And that was one of Netflix's uh, best shows, one of my favorite Netflix shows. So um, yeah, real disappointing. I wish we could get a lot just see those characters through to to the finish, but. Way the cookie crumbles. It is. Uh, my number two is uh, American Vandal. Of course, this is the mockumentary series that was on Netflix. Was uh, it which It was cancelled. Mm. Um, I mean, there were two seasons. It's very self-contained, but, you know. And it's... I did actually watch rewatch this recently uh, in the last couple of months. Still holds up. Still very funny. Uh, whether it's the mystery of who drew the dicks or who did you just rewatch it because of players or yeah <laughs> uh yeah still great still sad that we didn't get more of it uh but again like those the two leads of the series have gone on to bigger and better things obviously they're doing players now um so you can't be too upset but yeah it's a cancel show that you should go watch dylan what is your number one my number one is you want to guess I feel like this this isn't easy. This is sometimes these are really easy and you like give me a top three and you could guess my number one. I don't know if you could guess my number one. It's number one Veronica Miles? No. Because that came back. I don't feel like that should count. Okay, that's fair. Then I, I, I feel like I should, okay, yeah. I didn't think you would, but um Hannibal. Oh. Yeah. So Hannibal was cancelled. It didn't get to see its finish through. Considering the way I'm gonna spoil the way this show ends, because I don't feel like at this stage, surely anyone who cares about those shows watched it. But the fucking last episode that we ever had of that show literally has and fall off the side of a fuck and we never got any more. <laughs> I'm like, are you are you fucking really gonna end the show that way? Like I never I never got to find out what happens to these characters. You especially in a world where they were Well, and, I assume Yeah, I mean they've they were deserve more, but I'm so pissed off that we didn't get more because Brian Fuller's talked about how he was going to set up and he was actually going to start because he wasn't trying to fully adapt the the books, you know, like like it was his own version of the things. But he was going to start introducing um, Jodie Foster's character from Silence of the Lambs next and like start bringing in elements from that and whatever else. But yeah, I mean, Hannibal is one of my favorite shows of all time, top ten. Uh, I don't know where it plays there. I've never actually ranked it, but Hannibal is one of my favorite shows of all time. The fact that I never got any more of that show is so disappointing to me. It's one of the best written, best shot, well acted shows of all time. And yeah, makes me super sad. I never got more. Coincidentally, mm. 
my number one. Hannibal, that's crazy. I didn't know you watched it. What the fuck? (laughs) Is also a Brian Fuller show. Yeah. Pushing Daisies. Oh. Starring Lee Pace, Anna Freel. Dude can't finish a show. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps getting kneecapped, you know. (laughs) He's he's one of those creators who just creates shows that nobody has, just has a small dedicated. The people who watch it love them, but no one one watches them yet. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It doesn't doesn't appeal to uh, a wide audience. This is a series in which uh, Lee Pace plays a pie maker with the ability to bring dead things back to life with a touch. So... He at uh he finds out that his high school cr- his high school sweetheart or crush died, his childhood crush dies, uh and he brings her back to life, uh and they you know start to get their things together but he can never touch her again otherwise she'll go back to being dead. Uh, oh, I never actually watched. So any of this in show, the meantime, so. he's working with uh, a private investigator to help him solve different crimes, uh using his ability to bring people back from the dead for like. 60 seconds or something like that so man you only, you only got two seasons at least i got three i didn't even it was it's not even two seasons the first season <laughs> is only nine episodes long because it got cut by the writer strike so then they went they refocused the second half of that season into the 13 episodes of the second season and they got cancelled I mean, it, it kind of tells a complete story, but there's a lot of story threads that were never really resolved. But it's a beautiful show with a very interesting aesthetic and uh, way of the character speaking. Um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Let me ask so. you a question. Yeah. Love Brian Fuller. You going to watch Crystal Lake? Crystal Lake? Have you seen this one? I know, on. yeah. The ExplosionNetwork.com posted a new story about it. Um, his his next the Friday show the 13th yeah he's doing a Friday the 13th series yeah that's a, that's uh, come on Ash. I wouldn't have high hopes come on why not let's have a look at his ca- his, <laughs> his writing catalog Dead Like Me cancelled before his time apparently if you li- listen to anybody who loves everyone, I was about to say everyone loves that show uh, he worked on Heroes yep. that show got cancelled as well I don't think it was uh, crazy though he, he did the pilot for Mockingbird Lane which was a Reimagining of the 1960s sitcom of the Monsters. Mm. I got cancelled. Obviously, did Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Then he was a co-developer slash writer for American Gods. Mm-hmm. Also, first, you know, first season. Uh, then you know he co-wrote an executive consultant on Star Trek Discovery, which is still running. So this is the thing. This is the thing. You watch the first season of American Gods. Very much the same aesthetic and tone as um, Hannibal, which is why me and Nick loved it. And then he left afterwards, and yep. then it went to shit. Yeah, yeah. So Brian Fuller, one of those interesting creators who just can't get your break. <laughs> I can't wait talking about Hannibal though. I find I kickstarted this art book like I feel like nearly two years ago. I think you've talked about this before. Yeah. I think I've talked about it probably because I feel like it. I'm not, or even at least to me, not necessarily on the podcast. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like I'm not exaggerating. I feel like it was almost two years ago. They sent, they, um, they're posting them out finally and they sent for an email the other day that's like, uh, here's your, like, your digital PDF copy and, you know, that sort of thing. And I was going to look for it, but I'm like, why the fuck would I do that? Like, I'm just want to, I want to see that shit, you know, IRL. This, um, it's a bunch of like, uh, Brad Fuller, like, writes a forward for it and everything, but it's a bunch of like fan art and talking about why they love the show and stuff like that, I think. So I'm really excited for that as a side note. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, let us know your top three cancelled shows that you should, 
you still think we should watch. Uh, don't include shows that, you know, got cancelled and had a full run. Uh, or, you know. I feel like I would have put, I would have put, in a world where Veronica Mars didn't come back, uh, to- Veronica Mars would have taken, yeah. like, would have been in that, that, that three. But in the fact that it came back and then they just didn't choose to do another season, it's hard to, like, I'm like, well, I got that extra. I got a movie. You got a movie as I, well. I got a movie. I got another season. Like, I can't just keep. It's like, I saw the West Wing listed. That had, like, seven seasons. How can you yeah. say they got camped? Yeah. Yeah, people are weird. Also, I, I think I Googled to see if I was missing anything, right? And I saw one list that had the newsroom, which I think was technically true. Like, they were, like, they were like you only get one more season. Yeah, but they got, but to, they got to finish the show. They got yeah. six episodes. Which is what I was like. saying before about yeah. Westworld, you know. It, they should just let them finish the shows. Yeah, they didn't get a full season, but they got less episodes than they finished up the season. Because last, you've seen the last season of the newsroom, right? Yeah. Yeah, the last season was like a lot more personal. It was like let's just like focus on just the characters character and wrap up their story. I yeah. mean, they had an entire flashback episode. Yeah, that was finale, right? I think so. Yeah, from memory. Yeah. But anyway, newsroom's good, but yeah, I mean, they got. I, if it was cancelled, sure, but they got to finish the show. All right. Yeah, let's know by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at What Do You Want to Watch, leave us a review and help a podcast or Podchaser. Tell people about the show. Leave us five stars. Anyone can leave five stars. And if you really like this episode, throw us with a dollar, head on over to our code page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.